Listen up, Sydney. There's a new kid in town. Mick Malloy has come to play with the big boys. And there's no bigger boy than the king of the West, the Wild Panther, MG. So buckle up. This is going to be one hell of a ride. Mick and MG in the morning. (laughs) What could go wrong? Oh, he's back. Welcome. Uh, Hello, everybody. (laughs) Great to be back. Did you miss me? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Were you worried? Uh, Surprised you weren't all there. Uh, Gathered around the bed when I came out of the operation. (laughs) Very, very disappointed in you, MG. I was waiting for flowers. I thought you'd hold my hand. I thought I you'd be the first, the first face I see when I come out from under anaesthetic. Should have been you. Well, I was trying to get a flight, but uh, unfortunately, um, with all these dramas lately, I was a bit reluctant to get on a, on a plane and, and head towards your area. But I, I, I did expect you in on Friday, but we kind of thought you weren't going to come in because the pain must have been excruciating when you woke up. How, how was it? Well, so they put me under an anaesthetic, of course, uh, but I was woken up from that anaesthetic by the gasps from all the nurses. Oh, my God. Look at it. Oh, wow. <laughs> there was no anaesthetic strong enough to keep me through that. Uh, there, was a, there was a vigil, obviously, out the front. Yes. With concerned women. Yes. Uh, with candles. Uh, chanting songs and singing. <laughs> they loved it. We're, when they got the good news. Did you know this? And this is true. I, I did not know this, but when you have an operation now, the, they have to take you off the premises in a wheelchair. It doesn't matter what operation you have, they put you in a wheelchair and then they march you out the front. And then they pretty much just dump you out the front in the wheelchair once you're off the premises. But honestly, I felt like Grant Hackett getting off a long-haul flight. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, what did they say? They said, uh, it's not very technical. The doc- I said, anything I need to do, Doc? He goes, no, you've got to get 20 shots off, though, before you're safe. Oh. I said, what do you mean? He goes, before, you know, all, all your swimmers are gone. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you've got to get 20 shots off, so two to go. Oh. <laughs> so, two, two to go. Oh, so we know what you've done this weekend. You've been a busy boy. <laughs> and. And just so we're clear, it too, yeah. it's keyhole surgery. So you're aware what that is. So it's like keyholes, but imagine it's one of those big rusty old keys to yeah. a castle. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to a jail cell. On a big key ring. But anyway, the doctor said, good luck. Uh, you're on your way. Uh, I just can't remember what he said. It was the last thing he said. Whether it was, remember, get back on the horse or you're still hung like a horse. I just... Oh, please. I just can't quite recall. <laughs> anyway, great to be back, guys. Yeah, it's great to have you back, baby. <laughs> great to have you back. All right, let's just get all the genitalia talk out of the way early. Yep, yep. Uh, we've talked about mine, of course, massive as it is. Well, listen to the average, uh, and I've got this lot covered. Average penis length has grown in 30 years. Doctors are calling it concerning. To who? <laughs> the ladies, maybe. Uh, the average penis length has increased over the past 30 years, uh, published in the World Journal of Men's Health. You know what? Are you sure these are real scientists? This sounds like a bunch of blokes goofing off down in the laboratory. Sounds like, they, sounds like they're crossing swords at the urinal and going, check it out. Have a look at this. <laughs> Take a photo. Okay, so uh, while many may think the findings are good news, experts warn it's actually a concerning discovery. Uh, researchers at Stanford University... Uh, 
who conducted the study fear the phallic inflation is due to unhealthy habits like binging junk food or being oh. sedentary or even pollution. Well, hello, girls, dinner's on, that's me. I've got all bases covered. You must be monstrous. Check it out. Come have a gawk. You know what? Um, this is quite, I, I think this has got this has got flaws in it because I don't think anyone with a little peck is going to get theirs measured by a doctor. I think erect penile right. length is getting longer, on average, from four point eight inches to six inches over the past <laughs> twenty nine years. They've still got a way to go, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Australia men are forty third. What? <laughs> Have the 43rd biggest penises in the world. Well, that's disappointing. Who I mean, who's doing the, the charts? What do the charts say? Do you want me to give you the top five schlong list? Sure. Number one is Ecuador. Number well, two hang is... on. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Number two is Cameroon. Number three is Bolivia. Number four, mm. Sudan. And number five is Haiti. Okay, so have we noticed the common denominator there? All warm weather climates. Hello, Ecuador <laughs> is on the equator. You're yeah. not hearing anything from you're not even hearing anything from Alaska, are you? You're not getting anything from Greenland or Finland, no, because it's too freaking cold. Maybe they should conduct their studies in some more scientific way than just whipping them out wherever you happen to be born. In the sauna. I mean, come on, forty three. We'd have to have most Asian nations covered. <laughs> Well, the uh, UK are below us, and the the low, lowest two are Taiwan and Cambodia. Yeah, well, you should have seen me pitching a tent in my surgical gown. That was all, <laughs> all the talk from the hospital wards over the weekend. <laughs> let me let me tell you. <laughs> oh, I, don't I just want to, I want a job. I want a job doing this. Like who who who's on LinkedIn going to say who wants to measure some penises for thirty years? Oh, come on, come on. Japan 61, that's a bit high. <laughs> come on, come on, guys. Let's, oh, yeah, this is cooked. Yeah. I mean, it must have been a particularly warm day. All right, there you go. You've got it all in one. Let's, what, about, what, about, what about massive cans? Can I have a list of which country has the massive cans? No, I don't reckon what, we have that one. Oh, yeah, tomorrow, get ready for the it. The producers are madly typing away. That's the sad part. Right. Do, let's go. Do Let me do some research. Gaia! He throws it over his head. What a try! Big Mark Gaia towering over him. MG Sport Report. Yeah, well, it's all about uh, yesterday was the capitulation of the Australians in India. India claimed the Border Gavaskar Trophy in uh, just two tests, um, three days. Of six days. Six days. Both six tests, days of cricket and it's gone. Unbelievable. Um, what we saw yesterday was quite bizarre because we started the day at one for 61 um, after, you know, head was head looked really good. I thought he's going to go, oh, you know, pretty well. But all of a sudden we were bowled out for 113. And um, before we... Before we get to uh, Alan Border's comments, because it is the Border Gavaskar Trophy, some of the shot selection from the Aussies was just mind blowing. It was like they were they were in a in a hurry to get somewhere, and um, it was panic. It, it wasn't. It felt, felt like they panicked. They didn't know. And the shot from the skipper, and I know he's not a batsman, batsman per yeah. se, but to throw away your wicket with wow. a cross bat slog. Has the captain with a game in in that in in that stage is just it says a lot about their state of mind. I reckon. I, I agree. And all and the headlines across the world at the moment: uh, shell shocked, panicked, 
shredded, bloody awful, beyond a joke, this is going to hurt. What was he thinking? Um, so let's listen to Alan Border, who was pretty shell-shocked himself. I'm not sure what was talked about overnight and, and the shot selections today just defy belief, you know, playing so many cross-bat shots to the ball that's just squatting and not, you know, bouncing, you know, only, only six inches at times. Um, yeah. So who, who talked about that? I don't know. Or, or even after the first couple of wickets were lost, you know, that someone in, inside the dressing room didn't say, mate, we've got to shelve the cross-bat shots. Yeah, it was um, j- j- uh, the left arm, arm of Jadeja, 7 for 42. But as he spoke about, then all the sweep shots, and if you're not au fait with what a sweep shot is basically in cricket, it's when you play the ball across your body and trying to make it go down the leg side. And it's a, it's a really risky shot, especially on the subcontinent. Um, and Alex Carey, It's, a, it's a risky shot on a good wicket. Uh, yeah. on, on, on a wicket that's playing true. And here's what they've done too. I mean, it, it, to be honest, these are the closest to doctored pitches I've ever seen in the modern yeah. era. Uh, but you can't even get to that conversation because the Australians have played so poorly, they're going to get away with it because it hasn't come down to be the deciding factor has just been uh, a crazy inability to adapt to any kind of conditions over there or play um, with a sensible mind frame. But, you know, that's what you get when, you, uh, when you're not up to the challenge. That's really disappointing. I think uh, they have to have a real good think about the long-term position of uh, of the team. Who, who, who tours in future? You know, there's top-order issues there that need to be addressed. Um, we've got some players who are very good flat-track bullies or very good at home on their own soil, but mm. when you get them to England or you get them to India where it's turning or the ball's moving, their records and averages are as bad as anything in the modern era. It has well, to be speak, addressed. Speaking of, speaking of that, Mickey, um, while this test has been going on, this, the English have been playing the Kiwis over in New Zealand, and um, England have sent an ominous warning to the Aussies, who we take on in June for the Ashes. Um, they beat the Kiwis, who are in the top four teams in the world, by 267 runs, and um, Jimmy Anderson uh, became another member of the 250 Wicket Club. So England await us after this uh, Indian test and again, well. looking at Travis Head, you go, please, someone, please explain to me again why yeah. he was left out and others were left in in the first test. Do not understand. And no one has satisfactorily addressed that issue. That storm that ripped through Sydney Saturday evening, um, Saturday mm. night in various parts of Sydney was just wild. I know there was... Literally a um, four-wheel drive in Roselle that got completely crushed on its roof just from all the debris flying around. Absolutely. As we mentioned earlier, there are tens of thousands of homes right across Sydney. It only didn't hit Sydney. It hit many parts across the state. I saw Mark Beretta from Channel 7 was actually at this big sailing event in Barangaroo over the weekend. It was cancelled on Sunday, and you can check out our socials. We've reposted his vision where it is literally ripping through and takes off a sail of a Canadian boat. So that's just the wind alone. Yeah, just... and people were running from their for their lives, running away from this storm as it was ripping through the region. Well, it was Saturday. I remember it was thirty eight degrees at uh, like eleven o'clock in the morning. So you knew something was brewing. And then at about three thirty, the, the the monster clouds rolled in, um, and then a deluge of epic proportions. And 
the game between Penrith and St Helens uh, half time had to be extended because of the lightning strikes and and then half an hour later there was this unbelievable golden sky that you know just you, it, it beggars belief you just go well four seasons in one day was exactly what it was but it was uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you know there wasn't too much damage to houses and cars and, and and more importantly people because it was one of them them freak summer storms that we we used to grow up with. Well, how many people were affected? Can you tell us, Tash? 60,000. Yeah, 60,000 residents, as MG just said, Mick, were lost power. And also there was a lot of damage around St Ives and Kalara. Trees were down left, right and centre. Very, very leafy suburbs. But it was. It was like Armageddon appearing. Super (laughs) humid, super hot. And then all of a sudden this storm just ripped through. Yeah, the skies turned and you knew we were in for something (laughs) around about that 7 o'clock mark in the inner city. It was... Yeah, it was quite wild. Question without notice. Has anyone here ever witnessed air rage? Have you been on a plane, seen someone lose their tiny mind, have behaved terribly, turn their uh, table over, flipped out, locked themselves in the toilet? Have you seen anything? When I was coming from Hawaii, we were landing in Sydney and this woman got irate at me because I was letting a family out next to me and they were going in front of her. She was in the row in front. And yes. she gave me the biggest spray. How dare you step in front of me and let a family out when I'm trying to get out of here? And I just went, all right, lady, you've been to Hawaii. Surely you've had a bad holiday. I didn't agree with <laughs> Correct. Uh, maybe you've been sitting next to Booney while he drinks 53 cans of beer. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> but this is one. Uh, listen to this headline. Topless air rage passenger tries to storm cockpit and bites a flight attendant <laughs> after locking herself in toilet. For a cigarette on Russian flight. Oh, come on. We've all done that at some stage, haven't we? (laughs) Who hasn't? A lot to unpack here. Firstly, topless. Secondly, tries to storm the cockpit and bite flight attendant. That is taking it to next level. And locking herself in the toilet for a cigarette. Oh, wow. Um, She's undressed and business class passengers had to assist the crew to restrain her as they forced her bra back on. You know, there's no level of training. There's no level of training. There's no scenario when you're trying to get your license that prepares you for that. And then, after captain's orders, they put her in plastic handcuffs. Plastic? That's got wheeled. Yeah, I know. Well, even the handcuffs, it must be, it must be like the cutlery on these long haul flights. We, 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 can't have, we can't have anything metallic. Um, I'll tell you one thing. She's coming off in a wheelchair. Yes. That is classic wheelchair behaviour. Uh, she bared her chest in front of other passengers, including children. Well, well <laughs> at least at least they've had a good flight. Uh, from from Stavropol to Moscow. Oh, All of a sudden, I want to travel to Stavropol now. It's only a twenty minute flight. What's she doing? What's going on there? Was she travelling uh, with her teenage kids, though? That's the. I'm okay with this if she's been travelling. Are you saying that's justified behaviour if you're travelling with your teenage kids? Is there something you want to tell us, Tash? Is there there something we're about to read in the papers? It's been a long weekend, Mick. Uh, Well, it sounds like you've had an issue at home, have you? A couple of issues. No, I'm just saying she's 49. She's got teenagers. She's probably been locked up. I'm okay with stuff when it starts to get wild. I'm just asking why she's taken a top off. So oh, you're just, just saying doing... that's a bit of harmless fun. <laughs> yes. That's a bit of harmless fun. Yes. 
Oh, on a long haul fight. <laughs> is she hurting anyone? Look, to be fair, blokes, in when they get riled up at the pub and are about to fight, they do Shirts take their off. tops off. You're talking about Michael Clark, allegedly? Yeah. <laughs> now, I may be alluding to that. So maybe no, this allegedly. time we do that when we get irate, we take our right. top off. Even Michael, even Michael Clark thinks this behaviour is a bit out, of, <laughs> a, a bit out of order. All righty then. Big trouble brewing here in the studio, and it's coming down on gender lines. Let me tell you, and it's all because of Tiger Woods, who has made I think we can all agree a pretty crash joke. Uh, how offensive it is is up for uh, discussion. Tiger Woods uh, apparently who was playing with Justin Thomas as. Uh, as as is often the case on golf courses, men rib each other depending on the size of their drive. Yeah. Uh, Tigers outdriven him and then slipped a tampon into Justin Thomas's hand as they walk up the fairway, as if to suggest, i.e., you you hit with the strength of a girl. Yeah, uh, there it is. Uh, people are outraged, mainly women. Men, not so much. Uh, it's it's not his finest joke. I'll give him that. Here's the other thing to remember: it wasn't meant for public consumption. It was a private moment between him and another player uh, that has been uh, well zoomed in on. Yes. Got. So, well, well, hang on a second. Hang on a second. There's some. If he came out publicly on the tee and turned around and said, "Hey, I'm giving Justin a tampon." Because yeah. he hits like a girl, is <laughs> different from you behaving in a private manner. Okay, Tash, more so. unload. What is it? It's not a private manner. He is someone that's been busted on numerous <laughs> occasions for doing the wrong thing, right? Yes. He sure. knows he's on a golf course. Yeah, I would have course. thought on a scale of one to ten, this is not in his top ten. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but he's got form. And when you've got form, it's just lazy. Like, I love a good joke. I love a good sledge. I'm up for a good sledge, but it's lazy. And to say that he thought it was a private moment, you're on a public golf course where you know cameras are. There's nothing private on a golf course, a public golf course when you're playing, and it's lazy. Like, do smart jokes. I think he's – and his apology made me even more furious. What's the – okay, have we got his apology? Let's have a listen to that. Yeah, it was supposed to be, you know, all fun and games, but obviously it it hasn't turned out that way. If I had offended anybody, it was not the case. It was just friends having having fun, and we play pranks on one another all the time. And virally, I, I think this did not come across that way. But between us, it was it's different. So, what's wrong with that? If yeah. I offended anyone, that's not an apology. Yeah, because he doesn't believe he has offended anyone. Well, but he's saying, I understand if you are. Yeah, he doesn't seem to I, learn, I, I, does he? Look, I don't, I don't know how you could be. I don't know how you could be. That's why. That's why when you go to a golf course, there's a difference between the men. And the women's tees. There's 100 metres up. The, the women's tees are 100 metres up. I'm that honest. is true, MG. Although, do you know on a public golf course now, you're not allowed to refer to them as women's tees and men's tees anymore. Oh. You have to say these are the front tees and the back tees, even though it's widely acknowledged that 99% of women hit off the, well, the, the even, red that tees. Could be, even someone could be a little bit offended by that. The front so <laughs> I totally agree with you, Tash. It's not it's not a great joke. Let's be <laughs> no, honest. Seriously. Uh, however, that kind of joke is made. If I don't hear that twenty times in a round of golf, oh, you leave a putt short. Oh, does your husband putt? Yes. This happens a lot as trash talk, locker room talk, as a way of offending your playing partner, is to liken his playing style to that of a woman. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not defending it. But what I'm saying is it's not an isolated tiger thing. 
I think this is symptomatic of what goes on on golf course all around the world every day. He's an international superstar. He's got an international platform. He's made a lot of mistakes beforehand and sledging females who do – all athletes do incredible things to do, be great at their job. Do it in private. And it's lazy. He's dumb humour. Well, where he went wrong, the tampon is massive. So it's like just for – literally, he's used the biggest one you can get. It's got an applicator. You can't slip that secretly into someone's hand. <laughs> I, 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 it's like a one-wood. should have been handed to him <laughs> by his caddy. That's what it, it should have been. And by the way, he, this is a guy who has been attacked by a woman with, with his own <laughs> driver. So <laughs> you can understand if, he, if he's damaged at all. Yeah, but remember his explanations for that incident. I will never forget that. The old Tiger's been after the car accident. He's been injured in a terrible car accident. And then all yes. the details come out. No, his wife had to go at him with a golf club after finding <laughs> text messages and knocked out his teeth. Uh, Tiger's yeah. a player. That was that was a, that was a good practical joke. <laughs> yes, here we go, people. I'm getting angry again. This is a pet peeve of mine, and maybe I'm just an old bastard. But when the woke brigade circles on you and comes for you, I feel I need to defend you. Uh, who doesn't like Roald Dahl? One of the great children's authors of all time. I've got 10-year-old boys, twin boys. I slip them a Ralph Dahl, and they, yep. their mind explodes. There's so much there. It invigorates them. They go away and start writing their own stories, and then, and then they come back, and, and they want to tell them to me. It's just a magical moment. Well, it appears Ralph Dahl is, uh, is out of action. Uh, wow. The books are being rewritten as we speak to remove language deemed offensive. Uh, by their publisher, Puffin. Who the hell at Puffin is in the same (laughs) school as Raoul Dow? I'll just go and fix up Raoul Dow's work, shall I? That'll be okay, you idiots at Puffin. Why don't you change your own name, Puffin? That sounds a bit obese to me. Maybe you should change your... <laughs> well, even that, you're right. You write it with a puffin. Puffin should puffin. You think about straight away of, of puffin or something. Don't say fatty. Don't say fatty because puffin have hired sensitivity readers no. to rewrite. Cha- hired sensitivity no. readers. Wow. Are you listening to this? Because we're all so stupid, uh, and that one person in a million might get offended. Puffin have hired sensitivity readers to rewrite chunks of the author's text. Listen to that. To rewrite chunks of the author's text. <laughs> like he just knocked it up one day in an hour of his spare time, to make sure the books can continue to be enjoyed by all. Well, they won't be enjoyed by me. No. If you keep tampering with them, you dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> you know the works, the witches, the twits, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie oh, and the no. Chocolate Factory. Augustus Glump's no longer fat. He's just enormous, apparently. Well, that's worse. Enormous is worse than fat. Isn't it? Well, I don't see the difference myself. Uh, physical appearance, the word fat has been cut from every new edition of relevant books, while the word ugly has also been culled. You know who Why? the big winners are? You know who the big winners here are? Fat, ugly people. You know what I mean? Where's it going to stop? Where's it going to stop? You know, I'm more disturbed that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, his grandparents all slept in the same bed. Yes, I mean, that's what I would be. <laughs> Do you notice the gen- gender-neutral terms have also been added in places where Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's Oompa Loompas 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. They were yeah. small men, but now they're called small people. Yeah. Oh. You know what? The Oompa Loompas may be <laughs> gender neutral, but I would have thought the fact that they had dwarf slaves might be the issue. Yeah. You know what that's, I mean? That's a bit Charlie's got yeah. dwarf slaves who he treats terribly. Correct. But don't worry about that. Just make sure they're gender neutral. <laughs> Maybe it might be a better lesson for the kids to not be lured to some random bloke's factory with, with chocolates ticket. and lollies. There's, there's something you might want to... It's just another great thing and magical world that has to be debunked to have the life taken out of it. This is just the latest. We talked about Faulty Towers last week. Uh, we talked about some of our favourite songs like Delilah, yeah. uh, China Girl, all this stuff. I don't know whose behalf this is happening on, but you know what it is? Everyone, everyone goes, oh, we need more diversity and they've got diversity officers and we have all this stuff, but you're not allowed any diversity of opinion. It's like unless you agree with me, exactly. you mm-hmm. are out. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know how a publishing house feels they have the right. You know what you have the right to do? Publish or don't publish. Exactly. But leave his work alone, and parents can then decide if they want to show it to their children or not. But <laughs> you, don't, you don't get to get to Ralph Dow before we get to him. You giant knobs. <laughs> you sound as outraged as I was about Tiger. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and also there's there's a good point about participation certificates, right, in oh, schools yeah. where we don't give first, second and third. And what concerns me about that is that doesn't prepare you for real life. When you go for a job, you don't get a participation certificate with another six people. You either get the job or you don't. Yeah, the yes, it's all true. Uh, but anyway, there's a, a lunatic fringe of nutbags <laughs> who are in such a minority, but they still seem to be able to have somehow gerrymandered it so that they control all the way we live. No one in a real world is offended by that rubbish. No. Gerrymander, even gerrymanders offence that he's he's offended by it. Uh, no. He wants to be gender neutral. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's on the line. Tim, uh, what do you make of all this, mate? Good morning. Uh, I think it's censorship. It is censorship, isn't it? Yeah. And who's to, who gets to the? This is a slippery slope. Who, who yeah. gets to decide uh, where the line is, what's politically correct, what's not? Exactly. Um, it should be up to me as the reader, viewer, whatever, to yep. make that choice. I think that's right. Like, we're all it's, – it's like Australia likes to make itself dickhead-proof as well. Like, you go – we always make rules and legislations so that someone who is a dickhead doesn't kill themselves. That's right. Yet everyone else has to suffer. At the same time. So we have to wear high vis. Uh, we have to you know, ride bikes with helmets. We have to do not drink beer in street because someone might make a dick of themselves. Uh, how about just saying to everyone, we trust you, uh, but if you do make a bad mistake, it's on you. Don't mm. sue us. There's no public liability. You're a dick. Uh, Katie's on the line. Katie, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I'm at the moment just frustrated with um, the kids' rugby league. Um, they seem to just keep taking everything from the competition to the little ones playing tackle. It's just what's next. Do you know? I know in AFL now they in the in the in the boys, young boys and young girls, they don't have a scoreboard. 
So they take the they take the <laughs> scoreboard down. Yep. Yet every kid on the ground knows the score. Yep. They make it up themselves. They know by how many points they've won. They know how many they need to kick in the last three segments. But because someone said, "Hey, it's not a competition," um, they don't have a scoreboard. Schools in session. Mick continues his NRL education. All right, EMG, a couple of questions for you regarding yep. uh, what occurred over the weekend. The club challenge was on. St. Helens defeated your Panthers. What happened? Good question. Explain yourself. <laughs> I, um, I must confess. That's a boil uh, over? Is that a boil they, over? Like, massive. They were $1.15 $1. or something, Penrith, and uh, St. Helens was $7. And um, look, once the rain, when the, the conditions came in, I thought it would would bring Penrith back to the field somewhat. I didn't, I didn't think they'd get beaten. I, I thought, yeah, at least by fifteen or twenty points, they would have won that game. But St Helens showed a really good amount of resolve, and and and, and they were tough. They were they were dogged. Um, Penrith looked a little bit rusty, which they were. None none of the players had played in the trial, but um, this is how St Helens won the World Club Challenge with a field goal on the weekend. Here comes the field goal, boys. Here comes the field goal. He's kicked it, I think. He's kicked it, I think. Let's have a look at referee Klein. He's kicked it, and we get a justified result here. St Helens have kicked a golden point field goal to win the game by 13 points to 12. A timely wake-up call for the reigning premiers, the Panthers. All right, I'm moving on. Manly have won the pre-season challenge. But you're not happy about the prize money they were given. What's, what's your beef, big fella? Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm very happy that Manly won hundred thousand dollars. But when you compare it to what the minor premiers get each year, which is the same amount of money over you know twenty five, twenty six rounds of rugby league, I think that's got to be the any for that's got to be upped. I mean, I think so. Well, so I you you want more for the minor premiers as opposed to less for the preseason competition? Yeah, it should be a million dollars for a minor premiership. It should the the the, the minor premiership. Uh, you get to that last three or four rounds of the NRL, and a lot of teams know that they're going to make the eight, but they've, they're going to be in the bottom four of the eight, so they kind of hold back a bit. If there was a million-dollar purse up for grabs, you might see some better footy here come you know, middle of September. But uh, well done to Manly. Manly surprised a lot. Manly, Manly were really good over the two weeks of trials. They've shown some, some ingenuity. They've shown that under the new coach, uh, Seabold, they're going to be different. So Manly fans can start to you know, rejoice somewhat. I put it to you that if you give a million dollars to the minor premiers, you're going to create an even bigger gap between the good and the poor teams. Yeah, possibly. But at the moment, we've seen some teams over the weekend that kind of have come from nowhere to say, yeah. okay, well, the, the Tigers look good. Um, conversely, someone like the, the Knights haven't looked good. Um, the Dragons haven't looked good. The Warriors haven't looked good, and, and even the Raiders, to a lesser degree. But um, you got to think there's long seasons ahead for them. Where the Sharks, on the other hand, the, the Rabbitohs look good. Um, I like the Eels. Um, so look, it's, it's this this preseason competition has been fantastic. Who was um, your standout in the preseason? Oh, I've probably got to say Manly, and Manly. I'd say the Sharkies look really fit. Sharks, Sharks, Sharks are the team I think who are going to give this competition a mighty shake. All righty, there it is. This conversation is going to get interesting. If you're not familiar with the term objectophilia, Mick can fill you in right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you. Yes, I can. Um, well, it's people who are attracted to objects. <laughs> a man. 
I'll give you an example. Uh, says he's sexually attracted to inanimate objects. Has revealed he's currently in a committed relationship with a bunch of balloons. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope one of them's a condom. <laughs> okay. Great. You still on your meds, Mick? <laughs> well, that would just come in handy if you're gonna gonna have fun with a bunch of balloons. You may as well make it safe. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, it said what started as a friendship has now developed into something more meaningful. Uh, he's besotted with a floating object. He says sleeps beside him. <laughs> And even kisses them goodnight, admitting he's sexually attracted to them. Every morning I wake up saying, good morning, and uh, and start handing out kisses to the balloons that sleep wow. beside me. Um, this is not unusual. Uh, well, it's, it's unusual. <laughs> it is. Tom Jones. Not for Tom Jones, it's not. <laughs> but people, uh, it's a thing. It's called objectophilia. It's objectum sexual, meaning uh, you're sexually attracted to inanimate objects. Yeah. Look, I've been known to uh, mentally undress my taster. Have you? <laughs> what about it? Oh, oh, there's nothing going on here. The, uh, it's like, well, if you're going to pick an item, I would pick a toaster because they, they put out. They feed me. They're hot. I don't know. I, I, Who I, else I, here has got uh, an example for me? Yeah, I have. Vacuum. Mm. Oh, Jesus. What? A vacuum. Oh, MG. I thought someone had a story about the Eiffel Tower. Did they not? Yes. Do you want me to bring that to the table? I've done a deep dive on it. A woman, an American woman (laughs) in 2007, came out about being attracted to objects the same as the lovely guy with the uh, balloon. She married the Eiffel Tower that year and what she described as a commitment (laughs) ceremony. She's 50 years old now. She's bored of her relationship with the Eiffel Tower and is now is now what to a fence. Oh, you're kidding! Actually, we've got her talking about the fence. I'm sure you have. Fences are such dangerous objects for me because they are so perfect in their geometry. I mean, I have to say there is a lot of physical stuff going on right now. I'm definitely physically attracted to this fence. Oh, you are sweet. You know what upsets me about that is she flipped so quickly from this moment, which was not that much, much long ago from that. Naisha goes to Paris for the first anniversary of her wedding to the Eiffel Tower. (laughs) This time, she's determined to consummate their marriage at last. That's the same woman. So she's flipped from the Eiffel Tower to the fence within, I don't know, what, a year? (laughs) Okay. It's a thing, people. All right, let's go to the callers. Jay. (laughs) Jay, what are you attracted to, mate? I'll good just mate. tell you right now, I have a massive, huge man crush on yourself. So, oh, good man. Keeping that in mind. I'm, I'm, I'm not an mind. inanimate object, mate. <laughs> mate, no, but a beanbag resembles you, I reckon. A beanbag? <laughs> oh, I like bag. a beanbag. On a sweaty day where your back sticks to the vinyl. Thanks for the call, Jay. Ash is on the line. Ash, uh, what are you in love with? Inanimate object. Uh, my object is a Diamond Hellraiser Schecter guitar. Oh, of course. Have you, have you strapped it on right now? <laughs> <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> and, and how deep is your love for it? <laughs> so, so when I was 23, I had to sell that same guitar to rehome my mum because right. she, did a na- she did a naked cavort down the boarding house hallway and got kicked out. So oh, I, I sold... I sold all yep. the gear. I sold the guitar, and because I sold that, that I sold the rest of the gear, and then had a sort of a 
debauched couple of months in King's Cross, drinking and smoking and womanising, and because I sold all my gear, and um, I found the same guitar again thirty years later. No way! I love it. It's a love story. So I'm not going to. I might not marry it, but uh, you know. It sounds, like you're not that, it sounds like you're not that cheesy, Ash. <laughs> it sounds like it could be a guitar, could be someone at the cross, someone working around. I like your style. Rebecca's on the line. Rebecca, inanimate object you've fallen in love with, please. Oh, the fridge. It's got to be the fridge, Mickey. Ah, the fridge because of the fridge itself or the contents of? A bit of both. Yes. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a bar fridge man. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bar, I'm a bar fridge man, and uh, when no one's looking, I uh, don't mind having a quick crack at the esky. Yeah, oh, very underrated eskies. Bar fridge is good. Uh, what are those? What are the ones in hotel rooms? Yeah, bar fridge. That's the one I like. Hey, Jane's on the line. Jane, uh, Hi, what guys. object are you in love hey, with? Janey. Well, I'm I'm not actually in love with it, but you know, I'm very very fond of it. It's my couch. We have a lot of quality time together watching telly. Ah, oh, well, that's the same for me. I said my couch has a shrouded Turin-like imprint on it uh, <laughs> that I've embedded there for some time. Uh, we get the idea um, you can love anything if you commit. Well, yeah, don't forget you're going to come up with the first ever double bunk couch as well. That's one of that's your right. inventions that you've come up with. Well, it's going to be like an orgy. <laughs> All right. We are done and dusted for another day. Great to be back, guys. Uh, great to have you all back on deck. Uh, great to have yeah. you back, buddy. Yeah, good chat. Another good chat. <laughs> We're on fire today, haven't we? Hey, we really hit the ground running. Really made a special effort. That natural banter has just been amazing. Hey, can I mention my podcast, Sports Bazaar? which went through a million downloads Wow! Uh, over the weekend, which is no small effort. So I'm very proud of uh, Titus O'Reilly, of course, and the new one drops today. It's, uh, it's all about the early days of boxing. So if you like bizarre sporting stories, uh, this is one for you. One million downloads. Well done to everyone connected with Sports Bazaar. Um, I'm very proud of that as a project. Oh, yes. All right, we're all done and dusted for another day. Ah!